0: Next on Fatherhood Fridays, Season 4. Yo, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Um, just excited, excited this week. Um, man, I have been trying to get this brother
1: on air. Well, I can tell you for sure that there are no perfect parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges I think for moms and dads in general is that parenting. You, you you sense it it's one of the most critical roles that you're going to play in
0: life i think i shared my uh my uh feelings on that all right so this is what i got so far welcome. Peace, my brother. Welcome back to Fatherhood Friday season four with your host as always, Chalmer. I'm doing good, doing great. How about you? Man, what is there to talk about? There's always so much to talk about as a parent, as a father, as a dad, as a stepmother, as a mother, as a grandparent, auntie, uncle. Hopefully I covered everybody that's listening, or maybe just a a uh, young man, young woman. Um, the seasons are changing folks. And we are now into virtual home school Been doing it a couple of months now. And I didn't realize that I was gonna be the teacher coach, the janitor, the lunch lady, all these things going on in my house while still managing to do my own job at work. And I know if I'm going through it, you're going through it just like me. And so today we are going to be talking about, uh, discipline. What is discipline? When we think of discipline, do we, the first thing we think of is a spanking or a whooping or get, you know, grounded. What is the difference between discipline and punishment? How do we train our kids in this day and age? I don't have the answers to all of this, but we're going to gain some wisdom and we're going to gain some knowledge and we're going to gain some uh, insight uh, from Philip Smith Jr., uh, pastor of Colorado Christian Fellowship. And so wherever you're listening, make sure you got a strong connection for this episode. I usually say, turn me up. But what's the point of turning me up? if your connection ain't strong, cause if your connection's not strong, you'll get 10 minutes into this episode and it will drop. And you'll think something's wrong on my end, but it's really your end, but I digress. And so as we listen to him and I pick his brain, um, this is gonna be a good episode. I've learned a lot from it and I'm hoping you do the same. And so I'm gonna cue this up and I'm not gonna waste any time, but what you can do as a favor to me is if you like this episode or any episode from seasons one, two, three, or four, you can copy and paste it and resend it to somebody else in a text, email, or, or however. Um, you can subscribe or follow me on the podcast platforms available to you: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, uh, Castbox, uh, Bullhorn, Radio Public. The list goes on and on or you can go to google right now type in fatherhood fridays when you see fatherhood fridays anchorfm.com and it pulls up click on it go to support and you can support me anywhere from 99 cent to 4.99 to 9.99 it would be greatly appreciated and that's how we keep this thing going expanding into different states and now different countries you wouldn't believe and so I want you guys to make sure your your signal is at a four or five bar. Allow me to introduce uh, Pastor Philip Smith Jr. Discipline versus punishment. Hey there. All right, you you are live. (laughs) How's it going, Pastor Phil?
1: Just so blessed that you're having me on your podcast today. The topic couldn't be more more relevant in these times as you pointed out. I'm doing great.
0: All right, man. So so today we're we kind of talking about uh discipline versus punishment. You know, how does the Bible see it? How does God see it? How does the Father see it? And I figured you would be a good person to talk about it because just as well as myself you have a uh facetime coffee time where you're talking about different subjects uh you know pertaining to the church pertaining to life in general and so i heard you mention about how the right way to discipline our children and what that is and so um, if somebody was listening to this podcast for the very first time and they don't know who you are, do you want to explain a little bit more of who you are and where you're from?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I have the privilege of pastoring um, Colorado Christian Fellowship in Aurora, Colorado, uh, just there in the suburbs, here in the suburbs of, of Denver, in the Denver area. And um, been doing that for 21 20, 22 years actually it's our 22nd anniversary um and so my wife and i it is a labor of love for us it's a blessing and um it's, it's just been awesome i have two children i've had the privilege of t- raising two children uh my daughter is 33 i believe i think that's i think she's 33 <laughs> she just turned 30. <laughs> yeah and uh and she has two children so i have two grandchildren i have a grandson who is uh let's see six years old and and a granddaughter who's four and uh so that that's my daughter and she's married with children and with those two children and then i have a son who is uh 24 years old and uh he is uh in medical school he's married as well but no children um and he's in medical school Uh, at the Mayo Clinic. He just started this year and uh, married to a a wonderful, wonderful, uh, wonderful woman, but they have no children. So uh, I'm blessed to have two children who are married to believers and married to wonderful people. Um, And uh, like I said, the two grandchildren. So my wife and I are empty nesters. (laughs) So we've had plenty of time to reflect on parenting because our kids are up and out the door, so yeah so i mean what
0: what better person to talk about it because i mean you've been a father and a dad now for you know 30 plus years and now you're uh, a grandfather as well right and so you know talk about you know those early years of you know when you and your wife you know started uh, having children and, and what that experience was like for you. Were you prepared? Were you not prepared? Did you have the supports you needed or what?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, looking at all of that in retrospect, um, I, I can say that um, I was more prepared for parenting than I felt that I was prepared at the time. Um, I, you know, every parent looks back over, you know their their parenting you know their their parenting experience and and we all and none of us are perfect so we're all gonna have some regrets and kind of wish we did things a little bit differently I will say this one thing that I had said to my wife when we first got married before we actually had children I said the one area of my life where I do have a whole lot of regrets um, if if any um, and it's in the area of, of, of parenting you know, I, you know I you know a book that didn't can live with that, um, you know, didn't didn't travel to certain places, I can live with that, um, didn't make a certain amount of money or save a certain amount for retirement. I can live with all of those things. But the thing that I did not want to have to endure was, you know, sitting on a park bench one, one day with my wife and reflecting on how we raised our kids and, um, you know, and, and having to endure a whole lot of regret. So I went into marriage sort of saying you know parenting has got to be right it's, it's got to be right because I just can't live with it if my kids you know don't turn out well um, it was a high priority for me having said that though um, you know becoming a parent terrified me I mean I was terrified <laughs> I, was, I was like <laughs> okay so here, here we go I have got to face these people and my wife and I are, are, you know, we're followers of Christ. So the first and foremost thing was, you know, how do I, you know, raise my children? You know, that's the first and foremost question, because if my, if I can raise my children to love God, then a lot of the other stuff parents struggle with, with their children just kind of fall in line. And so, I had never parented before. When we parent, you know, usually none of us, we don't have any experience parenting before we assume that job. And uh, it is the most important job a human being has to do. The most important job is raising another human being. So, um, yeah, so that's a little bit of kind of how I started. But I think... yeah, I, had, I had some good models I will say this. you know my parents were not perfect as most parents thought was my family was just as dysfunctional as the next family. I, I always say you know when people say, oh you know hey is your family dysfunctional?" my response is always you know look, everybody's family's dysfunctional because no family's perfect. It's just a matter of degree. So you know mm-hmm. my, my family had its share of dysfunction but I had a mother and a father in the home. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and so they weren't perfect parents, but you know, I did have a nuclear family that had both a father and a mother in the home, mm-hmm. um, and so I had that. I had that kind of support. Yeah, I mean, that's that. I mean, that's good because I
0: mean, that definitely offers balance as a child um, having both parents in the home. Um right. Let's kind of zero in on this idea of. Uh, discipline. I mean, people use discipline, punishment, consequences, kind of interchangeably. Can you speak upon the underlying differences and maybe the biblical meanings behind it?
1: Absolutely. I mean, and and quite frankly, this is one of my favorite topics because what I'm about to say doesn't just apply to parenting. It, It applies to Uh, anybody really who's in a position of leadership, um, you know, pastoral ministry. I mean, the principles that that I want to kind of throw out there for our discussion are just relevant beyond parenting, but they are certainly important with respect to raising kids. And, you know, before we get into how we discipline and, you know, what tools we use the first question i think that parents need to ask themselves is what is the objective okay what am as as a as a you know as a godly parent what does god expect me to be striving for so before we say you know before we look at the tools to hold the question Mm -hmm. is the question first is well what is the goal okay So the goal of parenting, the goal of all parenting, and especially since this is, you know, this is Fatherhood Fridays, which I love. I love that. Um, Ephesians, one verse out of Ephesians chapter six, verse five, Ephesians chapter six, um, verse four, I'm sorry, Uh, Ephesians six and four. It says fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, Mm -hmm. bring them up in the training and instruction. So right there, all in one short verse, it speaks directly to your audience today, um, at least the topic, it speaks to fathers. And it says, fathers, this is what you don't do, and this is what you do do. Here's your goal, right? It says, don't exasperate your children. Didn't look the word up, but I think we all kind of know. Don't irritate, frustrate, unnecessarily anger, provoke your children don't unnecessarily do that and we can come back and talk about parents doing that
0: okay
1: here in a minute but i can tell you that parents struggle with not you know setting their kids off or provoking them and you know and and angering their kids because parents are in their own stuff um but it says here don't do that the focus or the goal of fatherhood here is to instead it says bring your children up in the training and instruction of the lord so what is the goal of parenting which obviously includes fathering your children it's teaching them it's teaching them something not just anything teaching them the ways of the lord so the goal of parenting before we get to how you do it the goal of parenting is to raise children who know God and live their lives according to God's plan. And I think a lot of parents, um, a lot of parents go into parenthood and I don't know what the goal is. I mean, even Christian parents, they just have kids and, you know, some parents think that their kids are born into their family to entertain them and, you know, kind of like having a pet <laughs> you know, I mean it's you know that some parents just have kids oh I want to know what a kid would look like whether you know what, how much of my genes can I pass on or I mean the parents have all kinds of reasons for having children and yet in scripture the only reason to have children is so that we can raise those children to serve God and live their life um the way god would have them to live it so that's the goal how to get there let me see because you used the term punishment and discipline
0: well i think i think you you just define and correct me if i'm wrong discipline because i think discipline as you put uh referring to ephesians yeah. is training training and teaching right right and so as a parent now we have a clear cut understanding of what discipline is. A lot of times we think discipline is you're grounded or right. I'm gonna spank you or you know I'm gonna hit you upside the head or something like that. But if we're following the Bible, it's it's saying teaching and training in the ways of the Lord.
1: Right, I mean the object of whatever parenting style we choose, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever parenting style we choose, scripture says the goal needs to be, as you pointed out, training that child. And so so we are, te- parents are teachers. And I think that's another way of looking at it. Um, a father is supposed to be a teacher. A mother is supposed to be a teacher. We're supposed to be teaching that child by what we say, by what we do, by the environment we raise them in, we're supposed to be teaching that child that God exists, who he is, and how to live for him. Okay, so that, right, that's our goal. Mm -hmm. So when we start trying to think about what parenting styles are most effective, um, and the short answer is the parenting style we see God use, okay? So, if, if we're going to adopt a parenting style, let's start by looking at how God, our Father, parents us, because that's what we're supposed to be doing with our children. Okay. So, with okay. That, so with yeah. So we don't we don't look over here at this book or this seven-step. You know, this person who has some ideas on what parenting should look like. I mean, as believers, we look to the ultimate parent, who is God. Okay. First thing we got to understand about how God trains people one thing, first thing we, we, we got to understand it, God uses influence and not control. uses mm-hmm. influence and not control. For example, and, and, and remember, at the outset of my comments, I said, you know, these principles apply to ministry, they apply to a whole lot of other things, you know, management on your, you know, some corporation or whatever. Um, if you want to be an effective trainer or leader, then you have a choice between trying to control people's behavior or influence people's behavior. Kind of the difference of force and power, if you will. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and for control, because that's what they were raised in they don't even know they're doing it's not like they consciously say you know i want to control my kid maybe some parents do but most parents opt for they default to this sort of control thing i want you to to you know i want you to do right i want you to make good decisions i want you to um you know want to serve god or whatever it is we're trying our child to do most parents default to control a couple of reasons why one is because that's what is passed down from generation to generation most families you know most human beings unfortunately in a fallen world are all about trying to control and manipulate other human beings to get them to do what they need to do Um, and the other reason why i think control becomes a default for people is because it's just easier it's easier to tell your child go work and if you don't do your homework, there's going to be some sort of artificial consequence, right, um, you know, or you know you don't get to go out and play if you don't. So there's nothing, well, we'll talk about consequences in a minute, but control is when you are trying to get somebody to do something, bypassing their free will and free choice, okay? So if I want trauma to do something, And I intimidate him with fear or I manipulate you you with the promise of goodies. And I'm doing that so that I can bypass your freedom of choice. I have stepped out of God's plan for how you change. God is not a controller. Control in the Bible is described essentially as witchcraft wow Anytime you try to control a person which is violate their freedom of choice whether it's a child or you are stepping into a realm that is it's the dark side it is not god god is the most powerful person you know in the in, in all of creation right and he wasn't created but he's the most person and yet God does not control people. If he did, sometimes I wish he would control people because, you know, <laughs> I mean, we'd have a lot less problems if God just said, you know, like a pawn. You do right. this, and you do that. But mm-hmm. he doesn't. He does not control people. Why? He has given us all free will. He respects this centerpiece of, of humanity, of being a human, is that we have free will. When we violate another person's freedom of choice, their free will, we are violating God doesn't do it, and we shouldn't do it. And as parents, we have to keep that in mind. So what's the alternative to control? The alternative is influence. Is getting somebody to do something, make a choice, because that person respects you so much that they welcome your advice, counsel, and influence.
0: That's good stuff, man. That's good stuff, and I think you know when we when we talk about control and we talk about you know um, demonic and, and and things of that nature. Um, how do we as dads then digress from worldly or cultural? You know
1: what I mean? Parenting, or disciplines, or punishments. Well, and you know, and and you know, as we move along here, we'll talk about the difference between punishment and and um, and true discipline or true, uh, you know, true, uh, you know, true I don't know, parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it starts with the obvious, right? You can't listen. Let's let's look at let's look at another topic where God tells a man to do something, right? And okay. God tells him. Do it this way, with the way I do it. God tells husbands, for example, love your wives as Christ loves the church. So God says, here's the deal, I want you to love her, but I don't want you to love her the way you want to love her. I want you to love her the way that I love you, the church. Mm -hmm. So the only way you can learn how to love your wife, according to God then, is to love you. Same thing with parenting. God says, parent your children, as I'm parenting you. So anybody that really wants to, you know, be successful as a parent and do it God's way, they need to have a relationship with God themselves. They Mm -hmm. have to have their own, they have to enjoy a fathering relationship with God. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, God says, you know, when you pray, come to me, our father. So acknowledge mm-hmm. me as father. And that has to be more than just sort of religion. You know, I go to church and I ascribe to Christian beliefs. It has to be this sense that, you know what? Father disciplines me. He trains me. He spanks me. He encourages me. You know, when I say spanks, I put that in quotes. You know, he 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 allows consequences in my life um, because he's fathered me. So when you're fathered by God and you allow that to happen, then you have an, a a ready, example for your children and um, and I think the second thing that people need to do aside from having a relationship with God a model from God um, they need to study people need to research understand parenting is not it's not it's not something and we've all grown up in dysfunctional homes and so we have poor examples poor models So if a person really wants to do this right, they're going to have to crack their Bibles open, um, read a book written by people talking about and get the information necessary to be a good parent because we're not born with this information. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's not intuitive. so yeah that would. That, that, i think that's with that's where we start it's going to take some work you've got to put the work in you know i mean you, you definitely you
0: definitely have to put the work in to digress um from what you already know or from what you've already been uh brought up in right you know because a lot of times when you're trying to train and teach your child in the way of the lord you you, you know you family members, grandma, auntie, cousin, everybody has something to say, like, we didn't do it that way, you know? Or what's wrong with getting a switch off the tree, or <laughs> doing this and doing right. that, and right. you, you, you kind of feel like, am I really doing the right way?
1: If people, you know, know what the goal of parenting is which is what we talked about at the outset. if people know the goal then they can sort of filter through all of this advice about how to reach the goal and say well is this really going to get to the goal so if my goal right is to train as it says here in Ephesians if my goal as a father is to train and, and instruct a child in the Lord then the question "Be that's my goal then the question becomes when somebody says oh you know you know, take a switch off the tree or use time out or uh, you you use the promise of an ice cream cone. When people start at giving you advice about how you parent, the question becomes, how close is this this tool, this advice going to get me towards the goal of having my child know God, love God and act like God. So if beating the child is going to get you to the goal of loving God, and getting him to act like God, then maybe you should do that. Hello, uh, I don't think that's going to cause a child to love God and want to act like God and mm-hmm. want to serve God. And we and have a lot of folks who were raised with just a lot of physical parenting stuff, a lot of punishment, and they don't love God because the person that was inflicting this pain on them claim to be doing it in the name of God. So now these people aren't, they don't want anything to do with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so again, does the proposed tool or um, way of parenting, does it reach the biblical goal of having this child want to be in a relationship with God and want to obey God? Okay. okay. So, you know, there's the thing. Look at the word discipline for a minute. Okay. The word discipline if you look at that word it comes it's it's the same root that we get words like disciple which is which when you t- think about a disciple it is someone who is in training mm-hmm. uh, When you say as uh, somebody is a disciple of martha king or a disciple That means it is a person who is learning new disciplines. Those two words, disciple and discipline, have the same root. So here we are again, right back to Ephesians 6 and 4, that says parenting is about training. It is teaching children new disciplines in life that will cause them to succeed. Disciplines like self-control, like Treat other people the way you want to be treated, like saving money for retirement, like living within your means. These are all life skills, life disciplines, that a parent is supposed to treat, uh, um, is supposed to um, train their children in. So if you understand the word discipline that way, then you know that certain types of behaviors that people call disciplining their children are just not effective, are just not sound. And, you know, and this is why we have kids, you know, running amok and parents frustrated um, because their kids are not turning out the way they want them to turn out. Well, let's let's really look at what the word discipline means here, right? Mm -hmm. If discipline is about training, then you're looking at a whole nother category of actions as a parent. If discipline is about simply punishing a child and getting that child to something, um, by basically inflicting pain on the child or intimidating the child, um, if if that's what you're if that's what that's all about, which we said earlier, that's more control than it is influence. If if it's about punishment rather than teaching and training. Then you're going to end up with some really bad results. And I think,
0: I think indirectly, you just answered uh, the difference between punishment and discipline. And I think one of the underlying things you mentioned is is what you're
1: doing—punishing
0: the child—yielding the results that you are anticipating. Which is, if you're following the Bible. To train them to get closer to the Lord, so that they can have their own relationship. If it's not pushing them in that direction, then your punishment
1: is a vain. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And so, so here's the thing: we at our church that we taught um, um, it was called it was a parenting class called Love and Life. Okay, mm-hmm. love and logic.
0: They teach that in the school, by
1: the way. Yeah, they teach that in the school. I'm so glad you're we are aware of it. It's been around for years now, and that you can summarize the philosophy of love and love and logic this way. First of all, it is based on how Father, how God, how God parents us. How does God parent? How does God teach? How does He disciple us? Well, He uses love and logic all right so here's the here's the summary of of what love, love, love. basically god allows the natural consequences of our choices to be our teacher so for example if i decide that i'm going to steal as a way of making a living and god wants to teach me thou shalt not steal god down and smack me around um, you, know, you know inflict arbitrary pain on me to teach me not to steal what he does is he allows the natural downstream consequences of my choice to teach me the logic of not stealing gotcha so that's the difference between a parent who's like, let's say, for, let's bring this home. A parent tries to get the child to do their homework, mm-hmm. and the old punishment control mindset is, "I'm gonna do your homework." Mm-hmm. Okay, so they can they can choose to do that, which, by the way, all it does is produce a hatred in the child for homework and education. You know no wonder the kid doesn't want to go college kid has no desire to do anything because you know uh, um, education was associated with just arbitrary pain and violence all right so it's not going to produce the result the kid may do it for a season but as soon as the parents aren't looking or they graduate from high school they'll never pick up another book that's not what the parent wants so they choose between Inflicting sort of arbitrary pain on the child that has nothing to do with homework, or they can somehow natural consequences for not doing homework to be the child's teacher so that the kid sees the logic behind doing your homework, the reason you do it. And the reason just can't be because mom's going to hit me. Because guess what? If mom's not around, and nobody's there to hit me that I'm not going to do So that's a poor parenting style. Mm -hmm. So downstream consequences. Okay, you didn't do your homework. You got a bad grade. Um, You know, you may end up having to stay after school because you didn't do your homework Wednesday night when you were supposed to do it. So now you have to do your homework on Thursday afternoon during recess. That is a natural consequence. You didn't get something done when it was supposed to be done. So now it's got to be done. And so now you're in a situation where you have to make a sacrifice of something you would otherwise have because you didn't make a good choice before. And when the parent connects those two things for the child, they are to connect anger and all of that that makes it about them. You know, like, see, see, you don't get to go out and play tomorrow. That's you're now into control and intimidation and punishment because now you're making the consequence about you. It shouldn't be about you. So the parent just says to the child, "You know, I'm so sorry, dude. Man, I know you like to play. I know you like to hang. But it's, ah, it's bummer. So now we got to get this homework done during playtime now, so that the child is not focused on the parent's anger." They're not focused on some arbitrary pain inflicted by the parent on the choice they made and how illogical it was. If I want to play, then I want to make sure that I get my homework done so that I can use my playtime for playtime. That's an example of love and logic. You lovingly come to your child and say, wow, I'm really sorry that, you know, I'm sorry that, you know, you made this choice. and." Um, you know, I guess we're gonna have to do without playtime. I'm so sorry it has to be that way. And then the child sits back and says, "You know what? Wow, mom's not angry, dad's not throwing furniture around. That I made this choice. So I'm not gonna make this choice again." <laughs> right, um, right, 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 right. Yeah. And, and so, so you so put the, the
0: onus, you put the onus on the child instead of making it about you
1: exactly that's love and logic and isn't that how god works though i mean isn't that influence and not control you're not trying to control them with anger and pain arbitrary pain infliction you're just simply saying wow you know what here's the deal if i were you johnny i i think if differently i think i would probably like get my homework done like every night and get it done well um you know, so that you have time to do these other things. And that would be my advice, Susie, if I were to do this over again. So you're asking, now you're, the kid's not making, it doesn't see that it's about you. The kid is able to take your advice, your, your advice to influence your own choice, as opposed to you taking the choice from the child. And parents who take choice with arbitrary punishment and train the child way what the, they are not teaching that child how to make good decisions for themselves and when they go off to college they go back wow when they get out of the church that they grew up in they run away from god because after all the decisions they were making up until they had their own independence were all about somebody else as opposed to them learning the good rationale the logic of making a good choice that's what parents have to do that's influence
0: yeah i mean i i I agree with you um but i can hear playing devil's advocate a little bit i can hear people use the scripture from proverbs where it talks about uh spare the rod spoil the child right and what, what would you say to that
1: well what i would say there's a lot of scriptures in, in the Bible, Old and New Testament, where metaphors are used to describe you know some behavior and we don't get so caught up in the metaphor mm-hmm. um that we lose sight of the message right so when I hear and, and so that's the first thing I'll come back to that right quick but let me say one other thing. okay whenever we're interpreting scripture we have to interpret scripture in light of so we let scripture interpret scripture. So if I'm looking at a scripture that that seems to suggest that I should, you know, beat down my child, <laughs> you know, that I should, you know, take a rod off the you know a tree and, and, and beat my child and I'm reading that, we the only way I can interpret that is by looking at all of scripture and say, would that interpretation be consistent with everything else scripture says about God? and parenting and if and and if if the answer is no then i'm misinterpreting the passage so i just say that um applying that to that scripture um you know if we take that scripture to mean that we can just willy-nilly inflict pain on our kids and and you know and physical pain on them, okay then we've got to look at all the other things that we see god do as a parent we have to look at god's nature and his character Scriptures like the one we talked about earlier, where the goal is to train and all of that, and say, Does God really mean, is this really, is, is this God saying, you know, whoop your child, right? That's not what He's saying there. The rod represents correction, the rod represents discipline. And if you don't discipline your children, then you will ruin them. And parents who engage, who don't discipline their kids, regardless of what form of discipline you take, parents who spoil their kids, you know, don't hold their kids accountable, don't teach their kids love and logic, um, will spoil their kids, will ruin their children, okay? So that's all that's saying. It's not telling you how to discipline your children. It's simply saying that if you fail to do so, there's gonna be a consequence and it's gonna be the destruction of your children, right? So the rod of correction is is used there i believe as a metaphor now having said that i don't believe that it is wrong to you know swat your little one on the diaper or you know sylvia when when our kids were were young she used to have a little wooden spoon and um, you know she would swat them on the on the diaper and on, or you know that kind of thing um but the goal was not to inflict pain it was and to express dissatisfaction for with what they were doing, and so when kids are really small, they're not—they're not—they don't have the logic, they don't have the capacity for um, the kind of logic a child develops as they grow through—you chil- know—through uh, elementary school and middle school and high school, right? So when they're really, really young, and you say, you know, to a real, real small kid, you know, take one cookie, not two. Um, you know, and the kid's really, really small, they, ha- they don't have the capacity to have a conversation about the logic of that choice. You know, that, oh, if you eat more than one cookie, it's gonna make you sick, or whatever it is that you, whatever conversation you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in, in, when kids are really young, sometimes you have to create sort of these arbitrary consequences, like a pat on the bottom, because they'll understand that right quick. But again, you know you're doing that with the goal of instructing the child and training the child how to make a good decision and as the child grows in understanding you migrate more towards you know in other words creating so much respect um, for you in the heart of the child that when you speak to them about something they're likely to agree with you or likely to trust you and believe you. So with respect to raising my kids to love God, I did not, we didn't. And I'm not saying that you should do this. I'm just saying we didn't do this a whole lot. We didn't have Bible studies, sit down every week with the kids and quote scriptures. And well, you know, I didn't, my kids saw me preaching to them on Saturday. I was also on Sunday, I was also their pastor. But we didn't do a whole lot of that. I didn't quote scriptures to them left and right. I didn't do all of that. What Sylvia and I did, what my wife and I did was live out Christ in front of them. And they saw the benefits. They saw a peaceful home. Their parents weren't perfect. But they saw provision. They saw love. They saw joy. And when they would go to other people's, their friends' houses, they didn't see all that. So when they would come home. I would just make sure they understood. You know what? It's pretty logical to serve God, right? Look at all the goodies you have and look at these these other kids, these other friends of yours who are not living in Christian homes. So you might want to think about giving your life to Jesus too. It's your decision. Whatever you decide is on you. Mom and I have made ours. You get to make yours and then live out such a, a model in front of them that it just seems logical. like it's, it's like anybody who doesn't serve God has just got to be crazy. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's totally <laughs> logical because right. look, and, and they can see it. And so my kids, I mean, they marry people who love God and you know, and well, that's that, but
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you've definitely said a lot
0: there. And I mean, I think one thing that I just took from it personally is that being an example is more of a t- teaching than it is what you're saying
1: absolutely. You know, absolutely. Living, absolutely
0: living that example is teaching them more than what you're saying and so um i maybe have maybe one or two more questions to you because i feel like you kind of answered a lot of them um you know just having this conversation here mm-hmm. um Early on, because, I mean, you've been a father now 30 plus years, did did you struggle uh, in training your child?
1: You know, I think somewhere in mind I knew. See, the most important thing for me was that my kids would grow up to love love God and want to be, to me, and, 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 you know, I'm not trying to offend anybody, I'm just telling you where my head was at the time and, and how I feel, still feel about it, to me, the worst consequence that a parent can ever feel is is to raise to be a Christian and raise your children and your kids just don't serve God, and I just felt like that is like the worst thing. If I stand before God and, and He's off of my life, I know that failing as a parent isn't going to keep me from spending eternity with Jesus because you know what? That decision is covered under the blood. Those decisions are covered under the blood too, but that's like a common want to have. To me the biggest thing, failure in life, would be to raise kids and then not have them love the Lord because something's wrong there. Um, And so that's always been a part of my heart. And I knew almost intuitively that if I was gonna get them to love God, I was gonna have to live it out for them in private. Um, That they were gonna have to see see it. And, you know, and, and so, you know, I had to let my love speak louder than my voice. And so I didn't spend a lot of time. I never, you know, beat up on the kids with scripture. You did this. God doesn't like that because all you're doing is making the kid hate God, um, and feel condemned by God every time in their face when they make a poor choice. I don't do that. Hey, love and logic. Guess what? <laughs> God said, thou shalt not steal. So... You know, and so that's a logical choice. Well, you'll feel the logic of that if you have to spend the night in jail somewhere because you shoplifted or whatever. And, um, but my thing was, I just wanted to, I knew that my kids were going to get the message and see the logic of it if they saw my choices in action and the fruit of my choices in action. So when I came to my kids and said, I wouldn't do that, well, my, my my advice is that you do this, that, and the same. yet another my kids would gobble up my advice they, they i mean i'm not saying this to pat myself on the back and my kids had their moments when they just were kind of being a little rebellious and stinky because they're human beings but for the most part my kids took my advice period they just did they took my advice on who to marry um You know, and a lot of parents feel like, well, you know, they grown, they're going to do whatever they want to. And that's true. They can. But if you if you built a relationship with your kids on influence from childhood, they're going to come to you even as adults and say, I know this is my choice, but what would you do, dad? And you have this wide open opportunity now to just, you know, parent them because of influence. They know that you're not going to grab the steering wheel of their life and try to control them they just they just they they're like well you know i'm gonna ask dad what he thinks because at the end of it he's gonna say well you can do whatever you want to but here's what i would do <laughs> and they can look at my life and say you know while he's not perfect he seems to be making good choices here and all this god stuff that seems to be leading his decisions seems to have turned out well for him so i think i want that
0: i mean that's awesome man because a lot of times in culture in society people have the the cliche oh the pastors kids are the worst ones and to <laughs> hear to hear that example I know you laugh because maybe maybe people don't say that but you hear that you know from time to time like oh the, the pastor's kids are the worst ones out of the church but yeah. to hear what you're saying that you still have an influence that they still come to you and they're you know well into their adulthood speaks volumes to training your child in such a, training your children in such a way that they they still have a love and respect for you as a dad and even and even your wife and so I know we could spend on the phone all day but I got one one last question for you what's one or two things you would want to leave with the fathers or dads or or even mothers that are listening to this uh, podcast
1: right now Wow I mean sort of one thing that would be kind of uh one God. or two, I mean. Yeah. Okay, I think that I think one sort of function one main primary principle is um, own the message of your life. The message of your mouth will not be heard until till children see the message of your life. And to your point earlier about me being a pastor, look, my kids saw me preaching on Sunday. And so if I came home on Monday and acted like the world my kids would have decided you know what it's not logical to serve god because people who claim to serve god really are not doing it it's all fake so i had to own the message of my life my kids had to see me living it and and which afforded me the opportunity to not have to lecture them all the time from scripture and hit them over the head with the bible because they saw me living it so i would say to parents you know what (laughs) you can't Take shortcuts here. You got to do the hard work of living what you want them to learn. Live what you want your children to learn, and 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 emphasize that as opposed to relying solely on speaking what you want them to learn. It's like the old parents used to just blatantly say, you know, growing up as kids, some parents used to tell their kids, "Look, do what I say, not what I do." Well, all you're doing is conceding defeat um and surrendering the single important weapon in training a child in the nurture and admonition of the lord and that is the weapon of your life and how you live it in their presence
0: well you heard it first folks live it not speak it own own your life in such a way that your kids want to follow this has been another episode of fatherhood friday season four with your host chalmer and Pastor Apostle Phil Smith Jr. And we're signing off, but before we do, if you feel on your heart, if this uh, episode has moved you in any way, you can donate by going to anchorfm.com, typing in Fatherhood Friday, you can donate anywhere from 99 cents to 9.99. Be sure to re-share this, and like I say always, subscribe. You can subscribe a number of ways. We are on eight plus platforms: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Bullhorn, uh, CastBox, Overcast, and the list goes on and on. And so until then, we will talk to you later. And I appreciate having you on today, Pastor Bill. Amen. Thank
1: you for having me.
0: All right. Talk to you soon.
1: Okay. God bless.
0: And here's a sneak peek into next week's Fatherhood Friday episode.
1: Them to know, as my father told me, that our talents are not ours alone; they are the fruit of our labor as a people, belonging to us as a people, and they must be used accordingly. Um, and so, you know, it was just nuggets of wisdom that he would give me all the time, that I hope that I'm instilling in them. Uh, so that they understand that that you know, yes, you can have a job, you can make money, you can wear nice clothes, you can get a nice car, a nice house. Uh, but ultimately, um, you know, it, it's not the things that you acquire uh, that that make you uh, that make you uh, successful. Uh, it's the things you, you make a living uh, by what you get, you make a life by what you give. And so, I want them to understand and, and appreciate that at every turn.